Welcome to the Faith Today podcast, conversations inspired by Canada's Christian magazine. Lennett J. Anderson is the senior pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church, The Meeting Place, in Upper Hammonds Plains, Nova Scotia. He has been named by Maclean's Magazine as one of five Canadian pastors who are breathing new life into their communities. And Acadia Divinity College has just named Lennett as a lecturer in leadership and racial justice. What more can I say? I loved my conversation with Lennett. He's a gospel man with a stirring message and reminder. So, Lennett, you've just been appointed as lecturer in leadership and racial justice at Acadia Divinity College, where you did your own MDiv. Um, tell me what this appointment feels like and what it will look like for you. Like, what are your plans? I am ecstatic. Oh, my goodness. My heart is overjoyed with the opportunity and the possibilities that are on the horizon. Uh, I just believe it's a dynamic duo of seminary trained leaders and community engagement. I think that's the ideal. This is where the rubber hits the road. And so I am, I am excited. I am so humbled by the trust of the board and by the college uh, to deem me a worthy candidate to come alongside students and just dream of the possibility of having church in community fully engage as, as we seek to infuse culture and, and just address the social ills of our day. I believe the church has to regain its prophetic voice. And so I, I'm, just, I'm just really humbled by the opportunity afforded me in this season. We've definitely are, are in a moment where we're talking about uh, racial justice and injustice uh, in, a, in a way that maybe we haven't been as much as we should have been in recent years. Mm -hmm. Tell me, as you've been watching things unfold, I mean, particularly in the States, but I know it's not just in the States, but, and as a church leader in Canada, in Nova Scotia, what was your reaction and what were you saying to your congregation on Sunday mornings about this? We are a mosaic in our fellowship, and I, I thank God for the richness of ethnicities and cultures uh, really representing the kingdom of God. But uh, they heard uh, the pain in my voice. And, mm -hmm. and if I could be very honest, uh, Karen, although at these events, some of the events uh, took place in the United States of America, it sent shockwaves. It was traumatic, communally, emotionally, uh, viewing such incidents were traumatic to people of color. And, yeah. and when, I, when I watched, you know, um, even my children heard the, the pain in my voice, just, just because many of us can identify that that's, that's a possible brother, an mm -hmm. aunt, an uncle, you know, um, it became so real that it's unfortunate, it's sad, it's a sad reality that in 2020, we still have to address racial trauma and injustice and atrocities to humanity, the dehumanization uh, of, of people of God. I always say that dehumanization is a violation to our creative design. God, we are, we are made in his image in his likeness. We are his children. This is the family of God. And yet we see our loved ones suffer and endure such hardship. 
So I, I say almost in every interview I give that race is not a card that I play, it's a life that I live. Mm. But to tell you that as a African Nova Scotian, we felt it. it, it, it just drew us together as a community to have this communal healing, I guess. Your church has been described as a blended community of worshipers who meet to exemplify unity within the body of Christ, which I just, I love that description. And I'm wondering, how did that come about? Like lots of churches and pastors want their community to better uh, reflect their community, but maybe they're not there yet. Tell us a little bit about the history of your church. Well, we are free refugees from the War of 1812, arrived in 18, April of 1815, and we were here. We are still here. I am a proud eighth generation, and uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church uh, is in the historic African Nova Scotian community. There are over 52 historic African Nova Scotia landed uh, community, land-based communities, and, and we are proud of our history. And so this is the church in which I was born and raised. Um, Mama went wow. into labor on a Sunday morning in the choir loft. I, this is my Come home on. <laughs> They is, believe in going that from- That is a home church. That's a home church. They believe in going from the pew to the pulpit. And so I, I currently serve as the 19th pastor of this amazing fellowship. And when I returned to home, to my home church, after seminary and and some military time, I was returning to a predominantly black congregation. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we began to get involved in community and realize that there were growing subdivisions and neighborhoods around us, we did not want to be the church in the community and not have the community in the church. So we became very intentional on our outreach and being very missional you know, and, and taking Christ to the streets. I just believe that was our, our opportunity to shine as his light. Um, and then the McLean's Magazine happened and overnight the church doubled in seven days. Wow. <laughs> doubled. Now we thought people were just coming to check us out. You know, they'll be here for one Sunday and then gone, you know, <laughs> and, and that was not the reality. Uh, God bless it that the majority of those visitors, first-time visitors, became guests and then became adherents and members, and they are now family. And so that brought an array of dynamics uh, because we were a proud old Baptist church, you know. <laughs> and, and, but, but then the charismatic folks started attending, more liturgical folk. And so, you know, we, uh, even on our pastoral staff, we would have Church of God, we would have uh, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, we would have uh, our chair of our board was Presbyterian mm-hmm. and, and Lutheran background. And so we, we would have those that would be saying, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is, and I'll say, whoa, but you know, uh, and then we'll have, I'll say, take something and wave, and we're dancing around the place. Um, yeah, we're confused. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. Um, just to give, let's help people who don't know. So you were named by McLean's Magazine as one of five Canadian pastors who are breathing new life into their communities. So that's the McLean's article you were referring to, I think, right? Yes, that's correct. And so that just created such an awareness of this little church 
on a dead end street in a historic black community. And overnight, Karen, we went from being a communal church to a commuting church. We mm. still have families traveling over an hour now from Toronto that wouldn't seem like any distance to drive an hour. Right, <laughs> but right. In Nova Scotia, uh, we have those coming from Bridgeport or Riverport and Lunenburg from as far as Truro. And it's just amazing wow. that wow. people will, will travel the distance. Yeah. The difference. Right. Oh, that's so good. I need you to know that I'm a Nova Scotia girl. I grew up in Dartmouth, so I know of where you speak. Yes, yes. <laughs> so next time I go home, I am definitely coming to visit. Oh, we would uh, love that. You you used this phrase, uh, and I had heard you say it before as I was researching for this interview, so I had made note of it. Why have the church in the community if the community isn't in the church? And I love that. I, I think that resonates so much with missional thinking. You mentioned that uh, the word missional and just who we want to be as the church and our communities. So I'm wondering, you know, what advice you would give to a, a church that is not yet seeing their community in their pews. What, where should we begin? I believe that we have to redefine the church and that uh, we, we don't, think of the church as a building with four walls, that as a people that are called for such a time as this, to shine as light, and that uh, we need to be uh, his representatives in the earth. I believe that we can occupy every space and place, and that's why I always look for strategic partnerships with all levels of government. I, I believe in allyship, mm -hmm. and I believe we are better together what God has brought together. And so I talk about being a united force. And I, I love that, that if we, the church, can think outside of the walls to see that God has placed us in our, you know, my grandmother used to say, grow where you're planted. And, and so when people throw dirt on you, listen, they're not burying you, they're planting you, she said. <laughs> oh, she, she was an optimist. <laughs> yes, yeah, very much. You know? <laughs> but grow where you're planted. You know, take that lick and keep on ticking. That's, she, always, she was my best motivational, uh, inspirational force. And, and I'm so indebted for the seeds that were sown. But again, it gave me an image of the church that was beyond a denomination that was beyond an organization or an affiliation. We are the body of Christ. We are the hope to the world. We're salt in the earth. We're light and darkness. And so whether I'm in military uniform or I'm serving as a teacher in a classroom or a nurse in a hospital or a custodian in a building, I'm going to let my light so shine. This is our time. And I believe it's detrimental when the church loses its voice his voice for justice and equity because at the end of the day there's one lord one faith and one baptism yeah yeah tell tell me more about the church losing its voice and i'm thinking about uh, you mentioned allyship you are going to be teaching on leadership and racial justice for future leaders of the church, yes. presumably for pastors. What unique roles uh, and what, I guess, powerful role can the church play now and in the, the moment we're in today? What an opportunity for the church to be Christ's representative. I believe he always ran to the margins. Mm. 
he was always moved with compassion. He had eyes to see. And I think this may sound like a criticism of the church, but my, my pain has come from the silence. And so many times the silence has been deafening. It's hurt to know that we're the family of God, but not to hear the compassion. Jesus gave voice. He yeah. spoke truth to power. And so if we are his representatives in the earth, we need to speak. We need to speak righteousness. And, you know, because I feel that as a church, we will focus so much on the great commission and the great commandment and say nothing about the great requirement. Mm. Micah 6 said, I have shown you, old man, what to do and what is right, but to do justice, right? What does the Lord require of thee? The great requirement. What does the Lord require but that we do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly? If we are his representatives in the earth, we need to do better. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Not to speak is to speak. Yeah. Not to act is to act. And when some of these atrocities were being recorded and shown throughout the world, I remember saying to my wife, I've heard from less than five pastors, you mm -hmm. know, uh, in our big convention. I, I, I don't understand if, if we are brothers and sisters, where's this silence? And, and many did not know what to say. Mm -hmm. Many said, Leonard, you know, um, in a fear of saying the wrong thing, we remain silent. Yeah. And I appreciate their compassion and, and their heart, but I want to challenge, I want to challenge people to speak because there's a ministry of presence, but there's, there's just knowing that you're not in this fight alone, mm -hmm. that we stand with the body of Christ, with those who will mourn with us and weep with us and, and love us back to life and destiny. I think, uh, I'm saying, I think you said, because I've written it down in my notes. <laughs> so you'll tell me if you said it, but I'd like you to, um, I'd like you to expound on it anyway. In a racist society, it is not enough to be non-racist. We must be anti-racist. That's your line, I'm sure, right? I love it. I love it. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes. tell me more about I'm that. I'm so glad you've done your research. <laughs> Listen, oh my goodness, because... Because it's one thing to have sympathy and it's another thing to have empathy. Mm -hmm. But my prayer is that your empathy will lead to advocacy. Okay. And, and that's where I say it's not just enough to be, well, Leonard, I'm not a racist, but it has to be anti. I will not tolerate. Mm -hmm. I will not participate. I will not hide and, you know, put my hands over my ears. When something is inappropriate at work, when I hear a microaggression, I will say that is not appropriate. I will not just, <laughs> you know, that subtle laugh, like it was an awkward yeah. laugh. It was an awkward moment. I didn't know what to say. Um, and so we're, we're challenging our people. Come on, look for good trouble. Look for <laughs> good trouble. John Lewis said, I'm yeah. looking for some good trouble, some necessary I love that. Trouble. And yeah. I love that. And mm -hmm. I'm asking the body of Christ not just to be non-racist, but anti-racist. Say This is something we will not tolerate because we will affirm. 
one another. We will affirm that greater is he that's in us and he that is in the world. We will so, band together as one man's children. And so we'll fight for what is right. Because I don't think that this is a black and white. It's a right and wrong. Yeah, that's really helpful. So let's fight for what's right. Yeah. So tell us more about, uh, so if you're a local church and a Canadian community, and I understand and hear the challenge about speaking up in conversation and in workplace with uh, inappropriate or racist comments, but what else can we do? Like, should, should a local church be contacting associations and seeing what's happening in the community or what action steps can we take? I would say allyship ally. We always look for effective allies. Those who first and foremost will take a position um, of humility and, and listen. Mm-hmm. I know I've often mm-hmm. asked people to speak. Please speak. Speak truth. Of, you know, but, but before you speak, please uh, assume the position of humility and, and, and listen. Listen and learn. I encourage people that all the time. Um, have a lunch and learn. Just to share, because so many times, Karen, our stories are not validated until there's proof. <laughs> you know, I, I could give my lived experience. I could tell you stories after stories, but some will just disregard it and say, then mm, it's paranoid. He's sensitive. He always see race, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so I would ask people, one, to seek to be an ally, an effective ally. Seek to listen and speak, to learn, right? And I would just, thirdly, I would say, take responsibility for the energy you bring to your space. Because not all of us at our board of directors, not all of us are um, agents of change. We're, we're the lead of it. But, you know, it only takes one person. I don't want you to devalue the role that you can play as one person. You can take responsibility for the space that you're in at your dining room table, in your kitchen, right? In your classroom. Um, I'm just taking responsibility for the space I'm in. I think as the church, we've become complacent in the places God has placed us. And therefore, uh, I think, you know, Paul said, stir up the fire that's within you. And that's, that's my hope, even in the seminary, is to stir up the fire, the fan and the flame the fire, the gift of God that is within all of these learners, that they would become effective leaders that will lead change. There needs to be a leader shift mm-hmm. in the body of Christ. You know, Leonard, I was thinking as you were speaking about sometimes, I think particularly, uh, although maybe not only, but in the evangelical subculture, we definitely can get caught in that me and Jesus trap that it's such a personal faith and so on and is that part of what we need to shake up in this very much yes yes i would i would i would definitely affirm that and i would say that um we are our brother's keeper Mm. as iron shines iron we sharpen one another and and we are family for god so loved the world I believe we're living in a day that is very self-centered, mm-hmm. you know, individualistic. And we don't have a concept of body, but the body is, the, the New Testament tells us that if one part is hurting, we all hurt. 
you know, and, and so we rejoice with those who rejoice and we grieve with those who are grieving. I love the, the story of leaving the 90 and nine and going for the one. And that's why, you know, I, I, I took great exception to the verbiage, uh, all lives matter, mm. you know? No one was saying yeah. that all lives did not matter. We're just saying there's a group of people that are suffering at this time. Can we give voice and recognition? Can we address this? I, I don't think when uh, we had the atrocity of the mass shooting here in Nova Scotia yeah. and, and people said, Nova Scotia strong. I did not hear New Brunswick say, ah, no, New Brunswick strong. Newfoundland is strong. No, that no is one such said a good point. That. No yeah. one said that. Mm -hmm. If someone is wearing a pink shirt because of bullying or breast cancer, I don't say, well, I have prostate cancer. Why are you talking about breast? You know, and yeah. I love the analogy that, you know, if I call 911 and say that my house is on fire, they don't say, Leonard, there's all kinds of houses on your street. Why are you calling us? Yeah. You address the emergency. Yes. And right now, people of color, there is a disproportionate, you know, yes. and that's why I said for some, um, I, I can talk and tell them blue because you will never convince those who, who, who are not teachable, mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah. but, but, but I believe for those that have an ear to hear what the spirit is saying, it's time for us, the body of Christ to, to show unity in the family. Yeah. Lennon, where can people find you online? I know you tweet a little bit. Oh, a little bit. <laughs> Listen, you don't want to follow that. <laughs> well, I already wanna... am. I already oh, am. So. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Okay. I'm on Instagram. I don't know all the handles. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I know so... it's the real LJA. Uh, okay. That's, that's my Twitter handle, the real LJA. Um, yeah. But uh, Leonard Anderson. I'm the senior pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Upper Hammonds Plains, the 19th pastor. Amazing. Uh, where I've served for 21 years, and it's been an amazing privilege. Yeah. Hey, some this is going to, well, I don't think it's going to put you on the spot at all, actually. I think you're going to be totally prepared for this, but um, not very often, but sometimes I ask people that we interview on this podcast to just give a kind of a benediction or a blessing to uh, people who are listening. And so I wanted to ask if you would do that today, Lennon, and send us off in the right direction in this uh, incredibly important work that we're called to do. It is important work. I hear the words of Mordecai that say, could it be that you've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this? And so my prayer is that we would realize that we serve a God. Revelation said that he holds the keys and will open doors that no man will close. He will close doors that no man can open. And so I just believe we need to walk in his way. Our steps are ordered. And so my blessing is that um, the blessing of the Lord will be upon you. The grace of the Lord will shine upon you and that he will just open doors of opportunities to you that you would go in his peace and in his grace and let your light so shine. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. 
This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it.